Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. I'm the Compliance Evangelist, and I'd like to welcome you to a special five-part podcast series I recently did with John Gill, the Vice President of Education at the Association of Certified Fraud Examiners, the ACFE. In this five-part series, we take a look at five different fraudsters looking at the frauds they engaged in, how they were able to do so, and what led them to getting caught. We use this as an exploration for the compliance practitioner and the fraud examiner to detect and prevent fraud in their organizations. We take a look at Nathan Mueller and the Fraud Triangle, Mark Whitaker, Tone at the Top, Andrea Baxendale, Unfair Treatment Can Increase Risk, James Brandolino, Doing Your Due Diligence, and James Gromazek, What is an Insider Trading Crime? It's a fascinating exploration of fraudsters and, more importantly, the lessons that you can learn from them. John Gill has a wide and lengthy history with the ACFE and in education. I know you will find this special series worthwhile. This special five-part podcast series on fraudsters is a special presentation of the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, back for our concluding episode in our five-part exploration of lessons learned from fraudsters with John Gill, the Vice President of Education at the ACFE. John, um, today we're going to take up Joseph Gromosik. And um, first of all, welcome and thank you for taking the time not only to visit with me today, but really throughout this week for this entire series. Tom, I've really uh, enjoyed it, and so thank you for having me, and, and for the for your listeners, I hope they've in, enjoyed these stories because uh, I, I certainly enjoy telling them. Uh, one of my most recent interviews was with a guy named uh, Joseph Gromosik, and he's from Canada. And the reason I found out about him was that he's a subject of a documentary. There were two gentlemen. Uh, from uh, law school in Canada, uh, uh, and they did a documentary on this case, and and the name of it is Collard, C-O-L-L-A-R-E-D, Collard, like white collar. And so you can look that up if you're interested in in, uh, seeing it. I went to Toronto, and uh, they had the premiere there and and met Mr. Gramosic and, and, and did an interview with him. So it was very interesting to because uh, I did the interview with him and then watched the uh, film uh, version uh, of what happened and uh, it, it was quite good. They did they did quite a good job with it. But he claims to be, and as far as I know, this is probably correct. He, he claims to be the uh, only person in Canada who ever served time for uh, white collar crime. Uh, or excuse me, for insider trading. Sorry, he was the only person that ever uh, served time for insider trading. So I did the interview with him, and he, and he told me his story. And so he was a lawyer in, in Toronto, and he and his friend, whose his name was uh, Gil, uh, his first name was Gil, not his last name, no relation to me, so his first name was Gil, and he and Joseph went to law school together. So when they graduated, Joseph's friend Gil got a job in New York with a, a fairly large mergers and acquisitions firm. Now, he didn't work directly on the, the mergers and acquisitions team, but the law firm did a lot of, of M&A work. So Joseph had this idea. He's like, you know, 
working for this law firm, you have a lot of access to information about who's uh, buying whom and, and who's fixed to do a, a big merger or acquisition, and these are publicly traded companies, and so this affects their stock price. So if you can give me this information in advance, then I could buy the stock. I'm not directly connected with you, so I could use this information, and we could make a lot of money uh, playing the stock market. And so that's exactly what happened. So uh, Joseph's friend Gill would go in very early in the morning to this law firm. He said I, I, he couldn't he couldn't work late enough to be the last person there because they all work late hours, but he said he could be the first person there if he got there early enough. So he'd go in about 4 o'clock in the morning, and he would just scan their desks. So he would go over to the lawyers who were in the, in the uh, assistants who were working in the uh, mergers and acquisitions positions area and so he would go through their desks he would look at what was on their desks he would go to the uh, printers to the copy machines to see if anybody printed left anything out and so he would start making notes like okay well here's this company they're supposed to do this big deal here's when it's going to happen so then he would call uh uh, Joseph in Toronto, and he would say, look, here are the companies, and here's what's happening, and here are the dates. So Joseph would go in, and he would make these trades. And so he, he did them in a different way. He didn't just he didn't do them in his name. He set some of them accounts of relatives, and he set up some some companies, and he supposedly did you know all uh, the trading in, in different corporate names to, to try and, and uh, hide his, his identity. And they were quite successful at it. He, they were making, you know, several million dollars a, a year with this with this scheme, where uh, Gill would go through, he would go through all the desks, he would gather up the information, and he would send it to, to Joseph. So they did that for a while, and then they thought, well, if we do this long enough, somebody's going to, you know, uh, is, is going to figure things out. So we're going to stop. So they stopped for a long time. And then uh, Gil made some bad investments of his own. Maybe um, he gave some to the last guy I told that, that we did the last podcast, James Brandolino, and lost it. But he lost them a bunch of the money that they had uh, earned before. So he came back to James and said, hey, we need to start doing this again. So James said, all right, we'll do it again just to, to earn a little bit more. But then we've got to stop. So Joseph the second time around, he said, I guess I was tired of it or I, I didn't have as much energy. So I didn't, I wasn't as careful as I was the first time in making the trades. So uh, Gil is now working in a firm in Toronto. And same thing, they were doing uh, mergers and acquisitions. And so he would, same MO, he would go in, he would get the information, he would give it to Joseph. But this time, Joseph got a little sloppy. He had made, uh, trades in bulk and it, there was a large amount on one day and some of it was in his name and some of it was in his sister's name whose last name was still Gramosic. So here's how they got caught. There was a regulator at the Ontario Securities Commission that uh, was going back and reviewing trades. And so after they had um, uh, like big stock announcements and the stock prices would jump. The regulators would go back and they would review transactions that happened in the in the previous, you know, so many uh, weeks or months. 
So they saw this big spike in this stock, and one was one account was Joseph Gramosic, and the other was uh, his sister, same last name. And so the regulator recognized Gramosic's name because they went to law school together. And so he says, I remember Joseph Gramosic. We went to law school together. And then his sister is making trade. That seems rather like a, a huge coincidence. And so he looks further and he sees that the, the law firm that was involved in the, the the deal, he said, I knew that Joseph's best friend, they were, they were very close in law school, that that guy worked for that firm. And that's how they put two and two together and they started, uh, they got subpoenas and they started looking at the emails and the uh, and and phone calls and things, and they finally were uh, able to to prove actually pretty easily that what was going on that he was uh, Gil was giving Joseph the information and he was uh, trading on the stocks. But I thought that was 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 interesting that the only reason that they were caught was because one of the regulators uh, knew who he was and and made the connection with with the law firm. So several lessons here. One is. People are always concerned about someone from the outside hacking into their system and, and getting proprietary or confidential information and, and selling it to other people. But you have to be just as concerned about the people that work there. If if you're engaged in something that's sensitive, like uh, mergers and acquisitions, then be thinking the people within the organization could be stealing this and selling it. If you have plans or designs, think about Apple and uh, Microsoft and how many people would pay for that type of information, be alert. Uh, lock that stuff up. Keep it uh, off your desk because it may not be somebody from the outside coming in to steal it. It may be people within the organization that are going around at desks at night looking for information that they can somehow uh, steal or make money on. The other thing is that um thing that's scary is that insider traders don't think they're doing anything wrong. I, I've interviewed three of them, and all of them had this uh, idea of like, well, I'm not stealing any money. I'm just getting – I'm more – I'm clever because I'm getting the information ahead of someone else. The stock is going to do whatever it's going to do. I just happen to have a little bit of inside information. And so no one – out of three people I've interviewed, it's – it's illegal, but there's not really anything morally or ethically wrong with it. So that's something we're going to have to, to battle as a society because I'm telling you, a lot of traders out there that do not think that there's anything wrong with uh, with that system. The other thing, sadly, not to end on a bad note, is that the, the human cost of this, once they were caught, they were getting ready to, because they were also uh, being prosecuted by the Securities Exchange Commission in the United States, and they were about to get on a plane and fly to SEC uh, for uh, sentencing in, in the U.S. case, and uh, Gil was uh, walking along a bridge there in Toronto, and I, I guess he just felt like he could not uh, do this any longer, and so he actually jumped off the, the bridge and killed himself. And so in the documentary, it's very touching because uh, Joseph Gramosi goes to the bridge and he's looking there and he's like, you know, they just wanted to, they just wanted to earn some extra money and make themselves feel smart. But, 
you know, it ended in, in, in a real tragedy that he, I guess he just did not feel like he, he could go to jail and he, he decided to end it all. And so now Joseph deals with, with the, you know, the guilt of that on top of everything else. So it, it, it's not just numbers. It, it actually can affect people, people's lives. John, I think that's a fascinating uh, way to close our podcast series by directly tying it to the human condition. And it's not the human condition of perhaps wanting to, to steal something or take something or take advantage of a system. It's the, the human condition of what can happen uh, if, those, if those things happen, if controls fail, if they're not in place, or a wide variety of other things. So I think it's an extraordinarily cautionary tale to, uh, to end our series with. Well, Tom, thank you for having me. And, uh, you know, I've, I've really enjoyed uh, sharing these stories. Uh, I find, like I said, Froster's endlessly fascinating. And so I hope the, the listeners enjoyed them as well. Thank you again. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I hope you've enjoyed this five-part exploration of fraudsters and the lessons learned for the compliance professional and the fraud examiner. If you'd like more information on the ACFE, check out their website, www acfe.org. It's a great organization. You can certainly get a lot out of it. They're most helpful for the fraud examiner, for the compliance professional, or for the business professional. This five-part series on fraudsters with John Gill has been a special presentation of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.